This programme has been grant-aided by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland Sound and Vision Scheme. Hello and you're very welcome to this, the third episode of Posh. Posh, or Port Out, Starboard Home, is a four-part radio documentary looking at Dublin's Docklands, the area and its people. The programme is presented by Ger Ledden with additional reports by Alan Weldon for Near FM. In this episode, we look at the position of Harbourmaster and we also discuss the tourism effects that large cruise ships have brought to the area. We also continue our talk with Pat Ward on the corporate and social aspects of the Dublin Port Company. My name is Fergus Britton. I'm the assistant harbour master here in Dublin Port. Now, the harbour master is identified as the person of whom a great deal of responsibility falls for safe operations within the port. His prime role is ensuring, so far as is practical, the safe movement and berthing of all vessels within the port's jurisdiction, i.e., the safe navigation of these vessels. This responsibility extends to the movement of hazardous cargo and noxious substances as classified in the International Maritime Dangerous Goods Code, which is an international code, uh, and, it's also, and that is independent of all the other navigational issues that uh, he has to deal with. He was responsible specifically for the pilotage service operation of, the, of uh, the conservancy, which is the dredging and surveying and voyage of the channel and other duties involving employment and control of the manpower within the harbour department. Fergus, you mentioned pilots, uh, yeah. pilotage. In these days of, of communication and GPS and electronic navigation, is there really need for pilot? Uh, 80% of the ships, or the movements of vessels in and out, don't take a pilot. But that, means, that doesn't mean that they haven't got the skills on board. Mm. All A master or chief officer on board would have to pass a, uh, an examination by the harbour master and myself, and also would have to have uh, carried out six voyages in and out, half of the hours of darkness ideally. So they would have developed the skills and the knowledge of the pilot, and they would also have specific knowledge of their own vessel. Most of those vessels would be the row row vessels we would see, the ferries, and uh, regular, very regular vessels in and out of the port. Is there anything in particular that a, that a captain or the master of a vessel would be aware, should be aware of coming into Dublin Port, for example, sandbars or rock outcomes? Or well, he had to be very familiar. We examined them on the, on the light, lights and the boys, uh, the characteristics, the flashing of the lights at night, because they come in at night a lot, uh, or hours of darkness. You also have to be aware of the, as I say, the, the shoals, uh, the depths on the berths. And, and also all the peculiarities in relation to the port. And very knowledgeable about the, the area port, uh, within the port's jurisdiction, such as the bay and all the areas of the bay. And within the bay as well, we have a, a traffic uh, kind of separation scheme, which is like a, uh, a roadway on the water, an imaginary roadway on the water, which is on their charts, uh, electronic and paper and they must follow the routes uh, specifically. And we monitor by VTS the movement of those vessels in and out of the port. Pleasure craft obviously use Dublin Port and Dublin Bay quite a lot. And you've yeah. got the Pool Bay Yacht Club. How do you marry 
the, the different usages between a, a roll-on, roll-off cargo ship and somebody else sailing for the afternoon? Well, once the, once the vessels are in the channel, uh, or the fairway, they have priority, the commercial vessels, because they're confined because of their draft, their visibility, their maneuverability, etc. So we require that all leisure craft stay out of the channel or right at the very edge of the channel, so as not to interfere. Uh, we will direct them sometimes for the north side of the channel or the south side, depending on what's moving and where. And sometimes we may ask to hold position if the weather conditions allow. Now, how will you direct them? Uh, we catch them on VHF. Uh, by and large, uh, most uh, craft will have VHF, regular craft in and out of here. Uh, also, the small ferries that, that operate within the board now. Um, we just call them up. They'll call up also uh, requesting permission to enter, to leave. And we'll advise them then the, where to stop or what side of the channel to come up, etc. Yeah, we have a, a, a controlled VTS station down in the, at the eastern end of the port, and uh, all the, the operators have at least a, v, a V103 1, which is an internationally recognized uh, license for operating a VTS. Uh, they will, if they cannot contact them directly, uh, we will then uh, send a pilot boat over to the vessel and uh, instruct them to get out of the way or to hold position or whatever is required. Fire a warning shot across the bows. <laughs> um, speaking of firing warning, warning shots across the bows, the um, tall ships race which was yeah. held in Dublin some years ago, uh, is that uh, a particularly difficult weekend or week for you? It's not with the vessels themselves because uh, all these tall ships are managed by professionals, certainly the key crew are manned by professionals. Uh, I know the volunteers and uh, trainees will take up most of the crew, but the, the people we deal with are generally professionals. Uh, the issues may be, they may attract amateur or leisure craft which wouldn't be fully aware of the dangers and wouldn't operate normally within the, the fairway of the river. They sometimes uh, can cause a problem, so we have to marshal them or police them in the river. Fergus, how far does your portfolio take you? Does your jurisdiction extend up the river? Uh, the, to the west, the jurisdiction is fairly clear. It goes up to uh, uh, Moor Bridge, which is virtually the, the Guinnesses, as we know, the, the bridge beside Guinnesses. To the east, we have two jurisdictions. The port jurisdiction runs from the Bailey through the, the Burford Bank and to the to surrender point on the south side. But the Arpatage goes out to a line uh, from the Bailey to the east out to six west, down the line that line of latitude and back into surrender point on the south side. Dredging, how often would a port be dredged or I mean is that a very rare occurrence or how does it happen? Uh, we're very lucky in Dublin Port because of the movement the number of movements within the river and the fairway up to fifty a day. Keeps, generally keeps the channel quite clear, but we do get build-ups in certain areas. Uh, by experience, we know where they are, and ideally, we'd like to dredge every two years. Uh, if it goes beyond that, we get those build-ups, and it's difficult to kind of uh, to, 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 to flatten them down. We have to work work around them to a certain extent. But two years, we manage perfectly clearly. Now uh, that brings us uh, to tides and the amount of space that a boat will need between its key and its bottom bit. And, and what's underneath it. How do you calculate that? Well, we, 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 we get printouts of, of tides, uh, and it gives the tide height for every 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And we will, uh, for a, a vessel over, say, 6.9 meters, 6.8, 6.9 meters, we will check the tides and see if they're restricted. 
and if they are restricted, we would always allow at least one meter on the beam clearance, and that would go for vessels up to 100 meters. Uh, vessels bigger than uh, up to vessel of 200 meters. For vessels uh, between 200 and 250 meters, we'd be looking at something like 1.3 meters on the beam clearance as a minimum. And vessels 300 meters plus, you're looking at two meter on the key clearance at all times. Would you ever have a vessel that has been uh, grounded, or what's the, the correct topical term? Uh, not within the fairway or channel, but we've had vessels which uh, broke down or stopped and was, were driven by the tide onto the bank. Mm -hmm. uh, Looking enough, we have all sand, sand banks, so all we do then, because we have our own tugs, put send the tug out there and just wait for the tide to rise and just put the pressure on them and they come off very cleanly. That leads me to another question. Um, tugs. Why are tugs used if ships are under low power? Uh, because their ships are designed primarily to go from A to B at sea. Uh, when they come into port, they need to maneuver into sometimes re relatively tight berths and basins. And because of that, uh, not all vessels are as maneuverable uh, as some, and they require a tug or two tugs to uh, help them maneuver alongside the vessel, alongside the quay or to leave the quay and go back into the channel to exit the port. Fergus, uh, from what I understand, uh, Dublin Port used to employ or would have commercial divers, scuba divers or underwater operatives on their books. That isn't the situation anymore. What does happen now? No, but basically we used to dive with, say, one or two divers and they carry out our own commercial requirements, but they require, the HSA requirements uh, increase that number to four, so we hadn't got those employees within the port. So we, we've, uh, over the last few years, been contracting out to commercial companies. Is it a very difficult task in the port? Would the visibility be exceptionally bad? Presumably, it would be great. Uh, oh, oh, for the last uh, twenty years or more, the visibility has been very, very poor. A meter would be a very would be good visibility. Sometimes it's what they call a P super. But uh, more recently, with the river getting cleaner, uh, they're getting two meters sometimes. Uh, so the visibility has been improving. Fergus, would you have experience of being a mariner? So every harbour master would, ha would be required to have a, a vast uh, experience as a master at sea in command. Uh, so that takes maybe 10, 15 years to build that up. So we would be bringing that experience with us uh, when we join the board. And you, how would you compare, maybe this is a, a, an unfair question, but how would you compare Dublin Port, for example, to other ports that you live? Worked at or visited or seen? A little unfair, but uh, Dublin Port, like the other main ports within the country, would be of the same of the same caliber. Uh, we're talking about Dublin, Belfast, Limerick, uh, Shannon, Foynes, uh, Cork, of course. Uh, they would all be of the same uh, the, 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 the same benchmark. Uh, the smaller ports in Ireland, lucky enough to have uh, properly qualified and well uh, well knowledgeable harbour masters as well, but they wouldn't have the same. Uh, Selection or a variety of, of, ship, of ships and vessels going in and out of the port, as we would have in Dublin and the other bigger ports. Would there be an, asso an, an association of harbour masters, or would you get together uh, to, to? Yeah, yeah, there is a, an association of harbour masters within Ireland that's been on the go for, I'm sure, 30 years or more, uh, and we share knowledge and experiences within the ports, and all the ports in Ireland are, are uh, available to. Are, uh, Fergus, 
coming to work in the morning, what is the worst thing? What is your biggest fear? The, the, the worst thing that you may have to deal with? Uh, the worst thing is uh, a collision or a fire. Uh, anything where there's a possibility or explosion, and there is a possible uh, loss of life. Would be on the water. On the water. Yeah. And your responsibility, am I right? It's in the sea. Is it the wet side as, as opposed to yeah. John Fardy being the dry the side? The land, yeah. We're the, we're, we're as, as somebody said, the watery bits. Uh, once once the, just the key edge and the, 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 all the water, the fairways, the bay, and the river, etc., all falls, falls under our jurisdiction. If it flows, it's yours. If it flows, it's yours. We have a message for our passengers. Due to maintenance work of the gangway in the port, disembarkation will take place from the outer deck number 7, that is two floors above the information deck. If in need of assistance, please contact the information as soon as possible. We apologize for the inconvenience this may cause. Jerry Cooley is one of Dublin's best-known tour guides. Jerry meets and greets disembarking passengers from Dublin's cruise ships during the summer season. Now, I asked Jerry, have cruise ships changed the tourist landscape in Dublin? Yes, they definitely have. Um, I have been sort of uh, lucky insofar as I've been guiding since 2009, and basically... That's when it became um, more than 10 uh, cruise ships a year. And this year we're heading to 83 cruise ships uh, in the year. And um, just looking at, at the news yesterday when um, Splendida came in, which is the 11th uh, biggest cruise ship liner in the world at 333 metres, um, we would get... Uh, when, they came, when they arrive in the city they basically flood the city. I know it's hard to believe, but if, if you think about it, there are about five locations in the city where tourists must hit. And the must-see uh, destinations are, you've got to go to the Book of Kells, you've got to go to Temple Bar, you've got to go to St. Patrick's Cathedral, you might include um, Christchurch, you will include the Guinness Storehouse, and you might include the Phoenix Park. So all of these venues are all hit uh, at the same time. So when I'm assigned to a, a cruise ship, it's like trying to judge for, uh, for the sake of your crew and your, your 45 people on board to get them through as comfortably as possible without having to queue. That is the only downside to the cruise ship's landing and increased capacity that there is only certain amount of uh, capacity for um, the the visits the sorry the visits that they go to and the challenge is to make them more accessible um, and be more uh, sort of uh, flexible like what i'm saying is maybe open a little bit later open earlier when there's a cruise ship in because the, the cruise ships uh, crews tend to disembark very early so there's an opportunity maybe to get in maybe before half nine, maybe half eight. But all of these things will, will be ironed out. I'm convinced of it because I've been there as these ships arrive. And I'm, I'm really pleased to hear that within the next five years, Dublin Docklands are planning a proper reception area, a proper uh, docking area other than what's there at the moment. And what's there at the moment basically is if there's a cruise ship coming along, they basically clear the dockside of containers 
the night before. It's all very makeshift. It's all very orange coney, and I hate to see the orange cones. And I even seen them uh, when they were showing Splendida on the news this evening. There were the orange cones were there. So um, it is a positive, absolutely 100% positive. The challenge is to understand that when three to four thousand people arrive in, and if they if there's a second uh, cruise ship, which is that's what the plan is, that will have the facility to take the biggest ship in the world, which I think is 369 metres long, and and two of them together, uh, if they come and arrive at the same time, we need to be able to plan for the maximum capacity uh, in, 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 the, in the view, in the locations that these people want to see, and they're the ones I outlined, the five or six Muscos, the number one, I suppose, is the Guinness Storehouse. And that's really a challenge because they have to be in and out within six hours because they're coming in on the high tide and they're leaving on the high tide and they're sailing away. They don't, sta- they don't stay here overnight. They sail in on the morning high tide and they're away on the evening tide. There's no, um, there's no, there's no over, overnight berthing for them. As land operations manager for the Dublin Port Company, John Farley is ultimately responsible for the disembarkation and the embarkation of passengers visiting Dublin on board cruise ships. Yeah, it's a huge part of our job. You know, when we're getting in the vicinity of nearly 100 cruise ships, you know, the large cruise ships are discharging, you know, anything from three to 5,000 visitors to the city. Um, when you have that intensification of, of people getting off, uh, to get on board uh, buses, shuttles, trains, walking and so on through, we would have very busy times. So just like this morning, uh, we have one cruise ship in, uh, tomorrow we have two. Tomorrow is one of the biggest cruise ships in with 330 metres, which will be that 5,000 figure will be there. We need to make sure we optimise the staff because we have an absolute peak, followed by a very long trough, followed by a very big peak. So we would you know, all the things around staffing and so on through, making sure people get into the city because I think the big thing that people must understand about cruise ships is they have a 12-hour window, sometimes even less. So it's absolutely essential for us as a port to make sure that we can get to facilitate the movement of people, they can get off as quickly as possible, to get them in the city as quick as possible, or also the, the larger Leinster area or wider because people are going to Inniscary, some people are even heading to Belfast, to Cork, to this may be the only stop and so on through. So they make the most of their 12-hour window to do what they want to do. So they're generally coming in on the high tide and they will stay within on the berth during the low tide period and then they then leave on the on the outgoing high tide again. So that's that 12-hour window. So the cruise ships generally can come in at any time from, uh, sometimes we'll see a cruise ship coming in at two o'clock. It may be able to do a double tide window so it might stay longer to get out later. And a lot of time it is because it's the great thing about cruise ships. You you, you do all your, your day business in, in the new harbour, you get on board the ship and the ship travels during the night. Again, the time that it comes out depends on the speed that the, the cruise ship has to travel between ports. So if the window is less or longer, they may stay in the port longer and they, their speed to the next port will be quicker and so on through. My thanks there to Jerry Cooley and John Farley, and of course before that to Assistant Harbour Master Fergus Britton. Now, in episode four, we will be talking to Teresa Weaver about the Ringsend District Response to Drugs Project. But before that, I spoke to Pat Ward, Corporate Manager with the Dublin Port Company, on this and other 
Dublin Port Company Social and Corporate Initiatives. Pat, can I ask you about um, Rinzend District response to drugs? What is this initiative? RDRD uh, play a phenomenal role in the work that they do, and Theresa Weaver, who heads up RDRD, does excellent work, and indeed her team uh, um, do excellent work in the community. We have supported RDRD for a long number of years uh, and continue to support RDRD and the work that we do. Um, there recently we were invited along, in fact I made a presentation to their Volunteer of the Year. And it's, it's quite humbling um, when you listen to the stories that uh, people uh, would tell you and the challenges that family members have had that those uh, that have had addiction problems uh, have and that they've come through the other side of it through the support of the family through the support of RDRD and indeed uh, that uh, I have no doubt in some small part what we do in supporting RDRD helps them continue to do their work um, it's humbling uh, to listen to people who would share their stories where they tell us that they were addicted to drugs and they were addicted to alcohol which led then to perhaps uh, homelessness which led to uh, a career of crime uh, which included in in some instances people uh, being incarcerated or being imprisoned for the crimes that they've done and to listen to them share their story uh, they went into the rehabilitation program at RDRD uh, and to qualify for their awards they have to be uh, drug free or alcohol free for 12 months so we're quite privileged to be able to support RDRD and the work that they do As a port authority your relationships with the other ports in Ireland for example Fines, Limerick, Cork uh, how does that work? Well, Dublin, uh, of course, is the largest port under the island of Ireland and is the gateway uh, to Ireland. Um, the model that we have here in Dublin is uh, we operate in five different modes from low low to row row, indeed to bulk liquid, and of course to cruise, which we've seen a significant uh, increase in this last number of years, and we forecast that to double over the next number of years, and that again is hugely beneficial to the city. Um, we will have in 2015 200,000 cruise visitors that will come to Dublin and the revenue that that generates in the local economy is estimated at about 40 million euros a year that in turn is spread across the retail the hospitality sectors uh, and that gives jobs to local people in the community in the wider context of uh, the other parts in the island of Ireland again we would have a very good relationship with the other parts uh, the model of competition that we have adopted here in Dublin is that uh, what we would describe as intraport competition so effectively what is Dublin Park Company Dublin Park company is an infrastructure provider we would have a different model of operation to the other parts for instance in the part of Cork they undertake the steep adoring the logistics and warehousing activities themselves whereas in Dublin there was a conscious decision a number of years ago uh, to move away from that particular model so what we essentially do is and what's at core to what we do is we're an infrastructure provider Pat, I've noticed, um, now maybe because I'm involved in, in producing this documentary, but I've noticed over the past 12 months 
a higher emphasis on public relations. I am hearing more, reading more in the press, seeing more on television, more of a positive story coming from Dublin Docklands, Dublin ports, whether it be about recently you had three cruise ships, the biggest amount ever. Is that a, a, a deliberate um, focus on public relations to bring the, the, the city and the port together? Well, within corporate services, we have three legs to the stool, effectively. On the one hand, we have human resources, we have cruise tourism and communications, which fall under the brief. And Dublin Port Company, uh, and indeed Dublin Port, has been a huge success. And as I mentioned, it's the economic driver to not only the city, but the economy. And we've shared that success. Maybe we haven't uh, boasted about it in years gone past. But we're all after coming through a very difficult time over the last number of years. And we're sharing the good news story and the success of Dublin Park Company, the success that that brings to the local economy, the success that that brings to employment, and indeed uh, the performance of Dublin Park Company. Because at the end of the day, while the company trades as a private limited company, our shareholder is government, and we have returned year on year very healthy dividends. Uh, back to the the government um, um, in in recent years, so we have actively engaged in promoting the good news stories. We're sometimes shy not to promote the good news stories, and we read all about the bad news. So we took a slightly different approach in recent times and said, let's share the successes the people of Dublin and the people of Ireland, because if we look at our recent ABR uh, application with Ambar Panalta that's going to significantly change the skyline of the port and in the next four years once completed we were looking at and you mentioned the the four cruise ships that we had on the 23rd of july that brought in 13,000 visitors to dublin on one single day which was estimated 1.3 million spend in the local economy that gave us a taster of what's to come in the context of those works where we'll have two 360 meter ships side by side Bertha at the East Link Bridge, coupled with space for a 220 metre ship. So it's a good news story. It's good for Dublin Park Company, it's good for the city of Dublin, and it's good for the country at large. Pat Ward, Head of Corporate Services, Dublin Port Company, thank you very much. Thank you, Joe. And that completes episode three of Posh Port Out, Starboard Home. My thanks to Fergus Britton, Jerry Cooley, Pat Ward and John Farrelly. In episode 4 of Posh, we'll look at water safety in the port, social initiatives such as the Rings End District Response to Drugs, St Andrews Resource Centre and some other issues pertaining to the Docklands area. Posh was produced by Gerald Ledden for Near FM and aided by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland's Sound and Vision Scheme.